Access Netflix, Prime Video, Live TV, and more with the Xfinity X1 Voice Remote. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. And it is now time for the Gut Check Project. You were here with your host, Ken Brown, MD. I'm Eric Rieger. This is where you check your ego at the door because nothing's off the table. What's up, Dr. Ken? How you doing? That's good. That's, I think that's one of the first times or the few times that you used my title there, MD. So I'm here with my co-host, Eric Rieger, CRNA. You like that? I don't know. I'd like to mix it up. As you can tell, I will do it different almost every single time. <laughs> what? Uh, we're on episode 14, aren't we? We are on episode number 14. That is correct. So today... We've got a really cool guest coming on, and I am super excited about this. So one of the things that you and I have done, and we've got a lot of feedback from people that have been writing in, is that we bring guests on that we're trying to learn some stuff from. Correct. And I think that almost every single episode, I've become more knowledgeable, it has expanded my mind, and I think today is exactly where we need to be, because we have somebody who's a great storyteller that's got some incredible experiences, and just throws himself out there, and that's kind of... That's sort of how we're kind of doing everything right now. Yeah, if you're new to the Gut Check Project, I think that what you find that uh, what Ken and I both want to do out of the guest is find a little bit about their journey that took them to where they are now because life is a journey. You're going to find that you, you're you going to be satisfied once you know more about yourself and how else you're going to know what you want until you kind of explore a little bit more around you. So exactly so we're, we have cooper reed on the show today and he is somebody who is a really um it's enlightening he actually inspires me and other people around him and he just jumps in um to explore different areas different ways of health and he's going to get into a lot of different stuff but if you're somebody who is kind of stuck in a rut right now this is your show because we're going to cover novel fringe stuff that i think is actually something that can change both health and mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that Cooper has a, a great story of just being dissatisfied with where he found himself and decided to do something about it. So we'll uh, I'm not going to ruin his story, but we'll get to that whenever he joins us here in about And it just minutes. so happens that he's doing something about it in a field that I have tremendous interest in and medicine is going that way. And I think that we will all be talking about this five years from now as uh, really to improve mental health without question without question um real quick of course if you're also new to the gut check project and even if you aren't you should always go to lovemytummy.com forward slash spoonie we're on the spoonie network so forward slash spoonie will give you atron teal atron teal at a discount that you won't find hardly anywhere else so what is it about Atron Teal that makes it so unique, Dr. Brown? So this is kind of exciting. Um, this is my baby right here. And a little shout out to um, Siobhan Sarna, who is the head of the IBS SIBO SOS Summit, because probably much to her relief, I finally got done filming my webinar for this. There's that a is, lot of experts on that there. That is so nice. And we got a chance. The One of the reasons why I was asked to speak <laughs> on that summit, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the at the other uh, featured lectures and she's like you're the last one you got to do this mark pimentel did his satish rao did his we've got to, you know tom osborne that did his and all these other people and uh, allison seebecker she's like you're holding up the whole show <laughs> <laughs> hey you know for those who are into uh, uh kbmd health and follow us and get the emails that we get every week that we send out 
Just be sure and tune in because what Dr. Brown is referencing is SIBO SOS Summit. If you've ever been interested in why certain people suffer from GI distress and they can't quite define the answers, that's kind of what this whole summit is about. Not everything is going to apply to everyone, but there may be something in there for everybody who tunes in. Yeah, and what's super cool about this particular summit and what Siobhan has put together is that you have people that have had different experiences doing different things. Correct. And my experience was in trying to find a natural solution for people that have irritable bowel syndrome, bloating, change in bowel habits, and that's how we discovered Atrantil. We have two trials which have been published, and we've been out now for about three years, and the reality is we're seeing the same clinical results that we did in those trials, which is four out of five people are going to get better if you have the classic symptoms of when you eat, you bloat. Now, the other cool thing since we launched is that we have since learned through other scientists contacting us that the polyphenols in Atrantil are actually extremely beneficial for you. They work on an anti-aging level. There's data to show that urolithin goes up, which helps um, get rid of old and aging cells. There's data to show that you increase nitric oxide to the muscles. So if you're an athlete, so it's really exciting. I started this journey to try and help people that were bloated that have bacterial overgrowth. And we just keep expanding and knocking down new doors. And that's what's so exciting about this. Atrantil, lovemytummy.com slash Spoonie, put in code Spoonie, S-P-O-O-N-Y. And you can also experience this. So this is uh, my baby. Show a little support and at least cash in one coupon. That's, that's your mission. I want everyone to commit to cash in one coupon so that I know that people are at least realizing the importance of both gut health and overall health through Definitely. polyphenols. And if you don't buy it for yourself, buy it for a friend or a family member that may suffer from uh, GI issues. So, uh, of course, Gut Check Project, like and share, like and share, like and share. Thank you for all of the new subscriptions. We reached out to our KBMD health uh, community for the first time this last week to introduce to them the contest where we are giving away to at least five winners the signature protection package of Atron Teal, whether it be with KBMD CBD, uh, natural flavor, or cinnamon, and uh, keep those submissions coming. Get a friend, get a family member to do the same where you like and subscribe to Gut Check Project either on YouTube or on iTunes. Shoot us an email through going through kbmd.com. Uh, I'm sorry, no, kbmdhealth.com, and you'll click on uh, contact, shoot us an email. It's easy. That's all you have to do to sign up. And then in July, we will be drawing at least five winners. So they're probably going to be more than well, five. So I'm going to make you kick the science this time. Why do you call that the signature package? Why do those two things blend so well together? CBD and Atrantil. Absolutely. The great thing that you're doing with CBD is that everything that you put behind this and this, and I'm, I'm and if you're listening through the uh, audio only, I picked up both the CBD and the Atrantil. You have real cases that have come through the clinic and we've shown improvement. So using this combination is what you have found to be the most predictable, I guess, solution for people who've had some type of inflammatory issue. And I won't go through all the different disease states, but essentially combining the CBD with Atrantil is the polyphenols that allow the CBD to even work better. How does it do that? Well, there's a little enzyme in there that degradates our endogenous CB or uh, cannabinoids like an andamide, for instance, named FAAH. And good polyphenol intake actually prevents FAAH from becoming overactive. 
and eliminating the CBD from working where it's supposed to work. Exactly. So you're kicking the science today, but that's how come we call it the signature package. They each make each other better. And that's how come we teamed up to have the KBMD Health CBD powered by Elixinol. Absolutely. So, like I said, like and share, uh, Gut Check Project, thank you for all the new subscriptions this last week. That is, uh, that is amazing. They told us it would take at least 20 shows, and we're doing it by episode 14, so we certainly appreciate it. So, now we're going to move into Dr. Brown. What do you have on the uh, news topic for today? Well, so on news topic, first of all, I want to do a couple quick shout outs. I, um, I am horrible with time zones, and we were going to have <laughs> a fantastic doctor, Dr. Gabrielle Lyons. She's a medical doctor in Manhattan. She is a, a fitness expert, muscle-centric, protein expert. She did her uh, graduate studies looking at protein. She was going to call in, and we were going to talk about peptides because that's my article that we're going to talk about a little bit later, peptides. And unfortunately, she texted me, and she's like, ready to roll? And I'm like, oh, time zone difference. Forgot about that. And so she is a doctor, so we couldn't uh, get her to do that. But we're going to have her on for a long show. Sure. We're going to either bring her here, or we're going to be able to do it. Um, she's... I think due to have a baby pretty soon, so I would. I don't want to have a um, uh, uh, new mom flying around like that. Uh, we could probably zoom her in, but she's super smart. And the reason why I bring that up is because we had one of our listeners ask something. What was that? And this is right in Dr. Lyon's uh, wheelhouse. Oh, is this uh, Trisha's email? Trisha called in and said, hey, can you recommend a casein-free protein powder? Now, Coming up soon in a week or two, we're going to have another fitness expert named Max Fairchild. He is super smart, a peptide expert. He formulates uh, nutritional products. He's going to be the one to answer that question. Trisha, we're going to get that to you right away. I can look it up, but I just want to go with the people that have already done the homework. They've already tested it. These are the people that have looked at all the formulations. We're going to find the best one for you. So keep those questions coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And um, did you have anything to add to any other shout outs? You were on an awesome podcast that just aired earlier this week. I was. I was on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast with Melanie Avalon and Jen Stevens. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the second or third time I've been on there. I yes. love going on there. Yeah, second time I think of. Yeah, so, yeah uh, second time. It, it's great. We talk about fasting, but a lot more than fasting. We talk about fasting mimetic diets. We talk about all kinds of different things. And I thought it was a great show and shout out to Melanie. She's got a new podcast and I'm going to be going on that on the, well, I'm going to go on it on the 24th. I don't know when she's going to publish it, but she's got, so she has a whole nother podcast, but that was really cool. Check it out. Intermittent fasting podcast. And you can hear that episode. And we talk a little bit more than just fasting. It's those are two really smart people. Very, very fun people to talk to. Well, that's awesome. I uh, did want to bring something up to you. I was reading a blog article from Chris Kresser here recently, and it reminded me of something. Do you remember a little over a year ago, there was this new message that was being pushed out talking about sitting is the new smoking. That's right. So then we're talking about a sedentary lifestyle. Well, if you remember, it wasn't that long ago that uh, you and I kind of laughed, but there was a lot of truth behind what you eat. Oftentimes you can't necessarily out exercise it. And it was, uh, someone said you can't outrun the fork. You can't outrun the fork. That was, you know, that's a shout out to, um, somebody that we do have to have on the show at some, sometime named Todd Smith. He's a, a bodybuilder trainer out of Omaha, Nebraska. He owns supplement stores. And I heard him say that once and I was like, I'm going to steal that. Sure. Well, use that. There's a lot of truth to that. You know, if you want to be healthy, a lot of it comes to where, what your, your food fuel source is, is it healthy for you? And what does that translate to? So what, Cresser was able to illustrate quite well is that if you're sitting for long periods in time, 
uh, throughout the day. You can't really out exercise the damage that you're doing by sitting for this long. Say that again. So, so and this came in a blog from Chris Kresser, who who we know well and we sure. love, and he's a great guy. Um, he wrote a blog all about sitting. Then, yes, he did, and he referenced a, a handful of studies that he basically he put together. He does a great job of always aggregating different things that he's reading and pulling great information, making it easy for you to kind of consume. But essentially, showed that even marathon runners, when they're not actively training. Now there's other there's other issues that may be going along with marathon running of long term inflammation exposure anyhow, but that aside, they're actually at more risk according to some of these articles that he has in there for uh, coronary artery disease because of the long periods of times that they're not training and that they're not running their marathons, they are sedentary. And that actually affects their metabolic rate from sitting. So then you begin to dive a little bit deeper looking into sitting while working. If you go to an office and you don't and you and you're engaged with your computer and you're having to type for long periods of time you're still sitting obviously you're working and you're working hard but possibly examine what would it take for me to get a standing desk or something similar that would give you some variability in fact robo hendrickson has a uh, a new a new product that he's going to come out with robo that we had on from full bucket health that's right after the show he was showing us he was working on a prototype to have some sort of portable version of that so that you can get away from just sitting all the time yeah i mean it's, it's brilliant and it, it solves a lot of problems of course it gives you a portable office yeah. anywhere that you want to go but at the same time you now have the availability to not be confined to sitting while taking care of work well essentially what Cresser pointed out is sitting for 11 to 13 hours a day and many people may say oh i don't do that i i get it more than that and you, you may think that but you drive to work and then you put in Six to eight hours of sitting. You wake up, you sit down, have a cup of coffee. You yes. get caught up on whatever it is that you're going to do. You come you home. Drive to work. You may work out, but that doesn't matter because now you're going to sit down to eat. God, and then you're going to sit. Freaking me I'm going to have to stand a little here. <laughs> and then you sit down to, uh, to, to maybe watch a, a program at home before you go to bed. That amount of sedentary non-movement over time is an aggregate that you you simply can't out-exercise out according to these studies. Well, it's interesting because if you sit for more than six hours, it's been shown that your lipoprotein lipase actually goes down, and yeah. that's what burns fat. Yep. You can actually have a decrease in your bone mineral density, leading to osteoporosis, and then ultimately increased coronary events due to high blood pressure and coronary artery disease. Man, when you stop and think about it, sitting is not very good for you. And if you look at how we evolved, we really didn't do a whole lot of sitting. We were always kind of moving around. So let's come up with some ideas right now that we want everybody to at least try for the next week to sit there and do this. So when you're put a timer on your desk. Sure. Put a timer on your desk. Uh, think about if you can elevate your desk a little bit. Uh, there's all kinds of different options out there for you to do it. Um, what if, if you're a teacher, if you're a teacher and you feel like that you aren't engaging the students on a particular subject, maybe change the scenery. Have a walking meeting. Uh, don't take the elevator. If you can take some stairs, uh, what else? Oh, I was just thinking that the, for, for the whole teaching thing, do you remember the meeting that we were at in Utah with baby bathwater uh -huh. and, um, one of the moderators before they even began made everybody stand up and shout and oh, yeah. jump around yes, I just do. to get the energy up right, and just to get everybody moving. And then that's how she said she starts all her podcasts like that. She makes her guests do that just to get them up and ready, which is really cool. So anytime you get up and do that, I think that 
elevating your desk. We walked around. I actually had a patient from uh, Veridesk, the big company that does this. Sure. And we walked around my office and looked at different ways, different desks that we can do for the employees. And I asked everybody, would this be something you would like? And they were all unanimously really interested in that. And like Robo was talking about, he thought that it would be really difficult in the beginning. But suddenly he's standing for eight hours doing all his work. No big deal at all. Yeah. No, that, that's definitely true. And don't you find the days that we end up having to pound away a lot of computer work compared to the days that we're doing a lot of scopes or you're doing a lot of clinic visits? I have more energy after doing all the movement throughout the day than I do when I'm once once a month, twice a month. I just have to kind of pound out a lot of work on the computer. Those are the most draining days to me. And, it, and I really didn't move. I'm just yeah. sitting there pounding out on the computer and it's. It's not enjoyable. Well, now let's just throw one other thing in there. So people sit there, they sit all day, then they come home yeah. and then they get on their computer, the blue light. Oh, now yeah. you're jacking up your circadian rhythm. Yeah. I mean, we're really trying to kill ourselves. Yeah. Like everything that we do in life right now is basically shortening our, our, our health time is really what it's doing. We have this, we're doing all these other things to try to correct it, but these are all easy life hacks that we can do. Get out. Wake up, one of the greatest, depending on what time you wake up, I wake up really early so the sun isn't out, but one of the greatest things you can do to turn on your circadian rhythm is get up, go for a walk on an empty stomach with sunlight. You convert the vitamin D, you turn on your circadian rhythm, you're telling your brain, we're going to do this. And it does a couple quick things. Number one, you get your body moving, you get out, you get a little sunlight, and you're not waking up and immediately sitting down, which is what a lot of people do. And you know what? I'm... I, I try to do this. So I wake up every morning really early and I, I make my coffee in the French press and I got my little routine and having a routine is pretty important. If you yeah. look at um, like a lot of people like Tony Robbins and these people that say Arnold Schwarzenegger, like really highly effective people, they all have a very specific morning routine. Sure. Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, all that. I will sit there and start drinking a little coffee and then working on the charts I took it one step further and I got a vibration plate and I tried to stand on it and mm -hmm. actually do my charts. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm hacking this. I'm not sitting. <laughs> well, as it turns out, it's really hard to, to do computer work when your vision's vibrating like crazy at 32 oscillations per second or whatever it is. So yeah, I've noticed in you know, those vibration plates are kind of interesting, but, uh, if you lock your knees out, man, that, uh, that really affects my little skinny legs. It just takes that vibration <laughs> straight up to my eyeballs and I can't hardly see much of anything. Yeah. So, just simple little hacks. That's something that, that what we're going to talk about um, in the next half hour is going to be a, another hack. I was listening to one of the greatest biohackers of all time, Ben Greenfield. Uh -huh. He talks about vibration plates. He talks about getting out there. He talks about the getting some sun. They were talking about peptides, which is really what I wanted to have Max Fairchild on. And he's going to come back on here in a few weeks to talk about peptides. And that is another little hack. These are all things that you can do that aren't that aren't that difficult to really make a big difference in your life and offset some of the stuff. So if you're sitting there stuck in traffic or if you're sitting in your cubicle and every time you stand up, your boss says, sit down, or your student teacher says, sit down, there's ways to get around it. Just make sure that when you have it under your control, you can do all kinds of stuff. We're going to be talking with um, Cooper about different ways to engage with nature also. Oh, that's yeah. A, that's another little way to get your brain stimulated to get your circadian rhythm in check and all that definitely and you know these are these are things that if you're a member of kbmd health here pretty soon dr brown has uh we're coming up with a system where we can start putting together some of these small tips that we're finding out basically just amassing these studies and how you can take these into a practical life i mean if you're just hearing this going man i, I work at x y and z i understand it's tough it's tough to make a change 
But what we want to do is see if we can't help people find easy modifiers to make those changes meaningful to you. And, and a little teaser, maybe have it delivered straight to your home. Maybe have it delivered straight to your home. There might be a little bit of news coming out about that over the weekend. So if you are on KBMDHealth.com and a uh, member of KBMD Health, look this sun no later than this Sunday. Maybe before, but probably no later than this Sunday. We've got a really, really, really cool announcement on something you've been working on for well over a year. Well over a year with some really smart people out there. Um, shout out to Mr. Zell, of course, but uh, they're... I want to make a difference in my community. Sure. And I think this is a way to do it. And I'm really excited to start implementing some of these things, meeting other experts, doing all kinds of stuff. It's going to be so neat. And if you're not a member of KBMD Health, it costs nothing. You simply go to kbmdhealth.com, pan down on the button on the poorly designed website that basically I have no one to blame <laughs> but myself. And uh, But we are working to improve it. We brought in, we have an intern. We have an intern that started this week. We have someone who's actually going to help us do stuff. Thank goodness. Yes. Thank goodness that we had to find somebody that's like half our age to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I am super excited to have someone help us uh, get those things done. And he's, he's already off and running and, and uh, helping us with the redesign. So that will be great. Speaking of which, I need to address something. You know about the processor issue, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so several of you, and by several, I mean a few hundred of you, <laughs> have, uh, have had issues while trying to make purchases through the website on KBMD Health, and it is, it's truly no fault of ours. It's two healthcare people trying to run a website, but the processors, since we do process CBD sales, all of the banks collectively have basically come up with new parameters that you have to be vetted and you have to have a right processor. They're basically trying to prevent fraud. So for every reputable business, there's about 20 that just aren't, and they're trying to weed them out. So we're, we're, it, it's, it's inconvenient for us. But we're, we're getting through it. And I've been kind of forced to handle it in the evening, some phone calls from some folks so that we can do some manual transactions. Not a big deal, though. And not all bad has come out of it. I've met some great people, some great supporters, some people who just have questions. Dude, knowing you, like, I could totally see you going, no, it's not bad. In fact, I've been invited to several weddings. Yeah. And I'm yeah, going I'm, to. I'm vacationing with the Robinsons, <laughs> you know, whatever, who, whomever they are. But I did get an interesting uh, uh, call. I guess it was three days ago from a gentleman from South Carolina and he's been watching the show because his daughter who lives in Houston found, uh, found the gut check project oh, sweet. and they've been sharing it back and forth and they like the episodes. Well, he's now a customer of KBMD health CBD, but he wanted to tell me specifically about what CBD was doing for him. And I don't know if I went into full depth on this with you, but vagal mediated PVCs. That was basically where he was coming from. He said that, his vagus nerve and his interpretation of it was that uh, over vagal stimulation and, and even even in that I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but would elicit PVCs and then throw him into AFib. Go ahead. I was just going to say the vagus nerve is a exquisitely complex thing that runs from the brain all the way down. So we're going to have a vagus nerve expert, one yeah. of my patients. That's his work as a PhD. He's working at vagus nerve stimulation and what it does and where it can go. So we can, that's, that's a whole separate episode, but I love the fact that he called in. Why do you think the CBD helped him? I don't know. It's a really good question. Um, his, his interpretation was that something with the vagus nerve, whenever it wasn't performing properly, 
he could have PVCs and then throwing himself into AFib. But something that he had found out is that using high-quality, reputable CBD, dose actually prevented him from having AFib episodes that could last anywhere between 8 and 12 hours to where he didn't go into AFib anymore. And he had the same experience so far with KBMD CBD, which I thought was great. And, of course, this is anecdotal. I'm certainly not making a claim, but this is what he's found utilizing that. And he's been in, in conversation with his, uh, with his cardiologist to talk about that. But all that aside, I would like to dig in deep with, uh, with them. Of course, the vagus nerve is, it's, uh, I think vagus is Latin for wanderer and it's a nerve that is the, uh, parasympathetic nerve. It's a great regulator. Yeah. It goes all the way down and regulates your gut as well. And it's interesting because even in the SIBO form communities and things, people really try and make some sense of it. They try and figure out how to manipulate the vagus nerve. We're just going to bring one of the world's experts on, and sure. we're just going to do a deep dive, real geeky scientific dive into it to make sure that your vagus nerve is healthy. The beauty of CBD, it works like an adaptogen, so it just kind of goes where you need it. The older you get, the faster time goes by, because that's another half hour. So episode 14, we'll be back here after the break with Cooper Reed in just a moment. Why have thousands of aspiring authors teamed up with Christian Faith Publishing to publish their book? Because Christian Faith Publishing is an author-friendly publisher who understands that your labor is more than just a book. We provide authors freedom and flexibility throughout the publishing process, professional book editing, award-winning design, and some of the highest royalty structures in the publishing industry. And as always, you will retain 100% of the rights to your book. I was looking to find a company that I could trust, one that assisted in the editing process completely. The most important qualities that I was looking for was a publisher who was honest and upfront. No hidden costs or fees and owning the rights to my own work. Christian Faith Publishing will publish, market, and sell your books in all major bookstores, online booksellers, as well as specialty Christian bookstores. Call for your free author submission kit. 800-978-4812-800-978-4812-800-978-4812. That's 800-978-4812. Never Forgotten Apparel is more than just a premium women's and men's clothing line. It's a movement to remind us to wear American-made and serve those who serve us. Our heroes. Never Forgotten Apparel gives 20% of their total sales to nonprofits that support homeless veterans and off-duty firefighters. And 50% to individual veterans and firefighters in need nationwide. Check out NeverForgottenApparel.com. Use promo code MATT, M-A-T-T, and get 15% off your purchase. Dr. Ken Brown here, host of Gut Check Project with my co-host Eric Rieger. I've seen in my practice that Atron is a whole lot more than just a bloating product. Yes, it does a whole lot more than just fix bloating because of the polyphenols that you find in Atron What are some of the things that these polyphenols do, Eric? These polyphenols can help you have more energy and polyphenols are great for athletes. It sounds like it's going to help a whole lot more people than just bloating. Go to lovemytummy.com slash spoonie.
And we are now back for the second half hour episode 14 Gut Check Project. I am now joined on my right by Mr. Cooper Reed, digital entrepreneur and social entrepreneur. How are you doing, Cooper? I'm doing very well, guys. I'm happy to be here. So you're also a MAPS advocate as well as the, uh, I'm going to screw this name up, Zendo Project uh, volunteer, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Zendo Project and MAPS organization, um, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm an advocate for that. Uh kind of push that, but but really I'm a volunteer for Zendo Project. Yeah. Well, what is what is Zendo Project? Zendo Project is a, a project that's underneath the MAPS organization. Um they set up yurts in um music festivals all around the world. And they kind of hold a space for people that are having difficult uh psychedelic experiences at these <laughs> music festivals. Be a great <laughs> episode. I just see story after story. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on so bad is because um I really do. We've we've actually interviewed uh Dennis McKenna, yep, who is a godfather in psilocybin. There are in my world, there are now FDA studies going on where they're looking at psilocybin for different things. And we're going to jump right into your history as soon as I kind of talk. What we always try and do in the show is I at least want to get through one academic paper to get everybody up to speed, at least on something. Try to teach something. So there um, just yesterday, the U.S. News came out with a report where it showed that U.S. death rates from suicides, alcohol and drug overdose has reached an all time high. So I think there is no better time for somebody like you being involved with the maps to start integrating some of this stuff because we're clearly not doing a very good job. We're committing suicide more often. We're dying from opioids and all this. So what I wanted to get into on the fringe a little bit is something uh, called peptides. So I am not an expert in peptides. Uh, Max Fairchild is. Gabriella Lyons, Gabrielle Lyons is uh, that we were uh, talking about. But so I try to teach myself a little bit about this. And so I found an article on a peptide called BPC-157. So BPC-157 is a peptide chain consisting of 15 amino acids. So peptides are just very specific amino acids. Mm -hmm. And Ben Greenfield was talking that when does a peptide become a protein? Protein, yeah. Yeah, and it, there's, there's really, you know, the experts in this can say, well, it gets really weird because growth hormone is still considered a peptide, mm -hmm. but it's really big. It's a mm -hmm. really big peptide. So think of that. It's just very specific amino acids put together. So BPC-157, um, although it's considered synthetic, it's actually uh, a protective protein, which is found in the stomach, and it's known for its anti-ulcer effect. So they've known about that for quite a while. Dr. Lyons is the one who told me to start using it in my gastroenterology practice, and I'd never even heard of it. Nobody had ever talked about that. So I'm super excited that I'm now getting into this aspect. So researchers have conducted numerous rodent studies that show that it does have protective, uh, protective effects, but it also seems to extend beyond the stomach and intestinal tract. So BPC-157 has been shown to benefit ulcer healing in the stomach, intestinal damage, such as fistulas, and inflammatory disorders. But there is some anecdotal evidence to show that bone and joint healing also takes place. What I really wanted to get into is, in my practice, I talk about the brain-gut access all the time. So I found an article researchers out of Croatia have done rodent studies looking at the influences on the brain-gut access. And this actually comes from 2016. And what they did is they looked at BPC-157 and over a very long period of time, they tried to show how not only is it protective in the stomach, 
but it is very useful as a peptide in other areas of the body, specifically the brain. And it was funny because their thought on this was the first, I didn't even think about this. When we talk about the brain gut access, mm -hmm. the first one to actually show that was Pavlov, the oh. Pavlovian response. Yeah, sure. Fistula in the dog, ring a bell, hears it, and then it turns on the intestines. Yeah. That's a brain gut response. Yeah, it is. So we all have this. And so the main thing that BPC-157 does, it is a growth-like peptide. So it turns on genes that increase blood vessel growth and nerve growth. I'll say this one more time, because you're everybody's. if you're like me, you're going, what? BPC-157 turns on blood vessel growth and nerve growth. Wow. That's wild. It's that is wild. So wild. So what they did is they looked at a bunch of different, um, well, brain mood issues, mm -hmm. and they specifically looked at these animals and said, well, how does BPC-157 help with this? So I just want to go through, and the article's really big and sure. geeky and long, stuff, so yeah. long. So I just want to go through a few things, because if you suffer from any one of these, let's start talking some peptides. Okay. Depression. Uh-huh. They proved that BPC-157 actually acts on the dopaminergic and serotonergic systems, as well as the GABA system. Remember a few episodes back, we talked about how CBD can directly bind to serotonin? Right. Much like an adaptogen. It's almost like this is an adaptogen also. They show that in these animals, they induce depression, and I don't... I, I never really get into how they actually do this with the animals. I don't know if they serve them with divorce papers. No, they take then, away their jobs. Yeah, or they, or they, yeah, they, they, they fire them yeah. or whatever. It's something, you know. Make them sit down for too long. They make yeah. them sit for too long. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually induced depression, measured all these different levels, and they showed that serotonin um, and, dopamine, and dopamine and GABA all came back to normal levels after being injected with BPC-157. Okay. Super, super wild. How about this one? Alcohol withdrawal. They um, showed that it actually counteracted acute and chronic withdrawal, as well as healing the liver and the GI tract. That is very interesting, but it makes a lot of sense on why people can't escape alcoholism. Oh, one step further. Opioid withdrawal. Oh, wow. I just got done saying U.S. death rates from suicides, alcohol, and drug overdoses reach all-time all high. All-time high, yeah. What you're going to talk about is some psychedelics that have, have some great promise. I'm learning about this for the first time, and I'm reading this, albeit animal models, but it's very hard to get FDA to approve human studies. We know that. So the, it has to start with animal models. Sure. Um, it showed that the opioid receptors would be downregulated after getting it so that they didn't have that yearning where they were like demanding the opioids. That's, that's actually really impressive. Then it gets into disease states. Multiple sclerosis. BPC-157 effectively counteracted the development of brain lesions hmm. in MS-induced mice. Traumatic brain injury, they actually stimulated nerve growth and decreased brain edema after inducing traumatic brain injury. Spinal cord injuries, it improved rat tail movement after they, in, they caused a spinal cord injury. Wow. So basically... This is what I really consider a true life hack. If it if it could, this can be put over, that's how come I wanted to have these peptide experts on. So I have not used it personally. I've not given it to my patients yet because I'm just discovering this. But when we start combining these different things, sure, it's a natural amino. Well, it's a synthetic amino acid sequence 
But these peptides, they're really big in the bodybuilding community. They're really big in anti-aging community, Mm -hmm. which sometimes I've always said that I felt like endurance athletes and bodybuilders know more about nutrition than any gastroenterologist because they manipulate their body through it. Sure. So what we talk about here, and you're going to carry the torch now (laughs) because what we talk about is some pretty cool stuff. Like we've covered stem cells, CBD, photobiomodulation. These are all easy to implement things that can make a huge difference in your life. So um, I was looking at this. There are some Facebook groups that are that are really proponents of peptides, and I was sent a couple of emails on that. I got a question, uh, two of them that I'd like to write down whenever uh, for Max, and just for us to kind of think about, because I don't think that we have the answers specifically uh, from the research that uh, that we have, uh, you know, before us right here for one fifty seven, but. What makes it synthetic, and is there a is there a natural counterpart that that does that? And the other one would be with all of the the um, advances or the disease states that we talked about, where we'd benefit from. What about peripheral diabetic neuropathy? If you're talking about oh. nerve generation and blood flow and and angiogenesis or growth of blood vessels, then that's that's ultimately what ends up. You, know, you got you got a poor guy who's got diabetic neuropathy in his feet, and he ends up sitting too close to a floor heater. And burns off the ends of ends of his toes, and he can't even feel it. Yeah, and, or or um, starts taking Lyrica or Gabapentin or something, and you know all those commercials. Don't take Lyrica if you have that. Blah, 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 blah. It yeah. can cause depression. Blah blah blah. Head falls off. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, I mean, all those things. So, uh, what makes it synthetic? I I had to look this up on Examine.com. Um, it's considered a 15 amino acid sequence. Mm-hmm. It's only considered synthetic because the particular sequence has not. Uh, been extracted uh, in the exact sequence it's probably believed to be a larger one that gets cleaved that works in the cytoprotective area of the of the stomach so it's only synthetic because they've not been able to actually extract it in the exact same sequence so it's from a human possible that it lives somewhere even if only for a brief period of time that we just haven't found it in its whole form yet exactly it's like many things that you know you can i've i've had this I've had this discussion with different pharmaceutical companies where when you look at, um, they'll, they'll say, oh, it doesn't get absorbed, mm-hmm. but there'll be like systemic effects. And the argument from the pharmaceutical company is, oh no, but when you take our drug, you won't see this in the blood. Uh-huh. And my argument is when you eat a steak, you yeah. don't see steak in the blood. Yeah, right. You break down into yeah. an amino acid complex. And that's, that's, that's one of the things that actually happens to do pharmacokinetic studies they say oh take this is it in your blood doesn't get absorbed okay but why why are my feet swelling why why do sure. i have a, you know right eye hurt or whatever yeah that's so, a, it's the whole pro drug to active component uh thing you know it's basically i've taken in this whole but this this isn't what's going to do the action it's when it's broken down or assembled into something else that it ends up doing whatever it is it's going to do yeah totally so BPC 157, we're going to learn more about it. And when we do have a real expert on about that, I'm just going to eat his brain and just, or her brain, well, whoever is, the expert is. That's going to be messy. That's, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get some, we're going to get some subscribes and shares. <laughs> exactly. All right. Welcome to Gut Check Project. This is a mess. So speaking of messes, I don't know, uh, while that is even a good segue, really, at all. <laughs> so I figured that we should go ahead and uh, reconnoiter here and uh, go ahead and reintroduce uh, Cooper. Cooper Reed, uh, like I said, he is a digital and social entrepreneur now, but you found your, your way there in a completely different career path than where 
we probably may have crossed paths earlier before, didn't re- but didn't really get to know each other, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, born here in Texas? I was born here in Texas, small town. Uh, grew up in Paradise, Texas. Tiny little, you know, I don't even know if there's a dot for Paradise, but <laughs> 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 it's out in the middle of nowhere here in North Texas. Yeah. Sure. And then uh, what? Uh, where did you find yourself after you, uh, you left Paradise? Um, yeah, so I... After I left Paradise, I went traveling around for, you know, I, got, I played a year of uh, college baseball at Texas Wesleyan University. Um, and, you know, then I went into Denton and got really into the arts after my baseball career was kind of over. Um, from there, I decided I wanted to go into performing arts. Um, so I went to Dallas, got a degree in performing arts. Um, and then from there, I got an opportunity to move up to Chicago, studying comedy. Um, at, really? You know, Second City and uh, Improv Olympic up there. That's, that is awesome. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Because yeah. 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 what I'm really interested in is, yeah. Well, we're going to spend the whole show talking about your your life. <laughs> I just wanted to know it was one of those uh, comedy cards so I could just say offensive stuff and just blame it on my comedy. Yeah, Eric and I actually looked into this. You can actually join the Professional Comedy Association. It's much easier to get into than the Actors Guild. Yeah, you yeah. send like twenty five bucks, you get a card. So I always just wanted to do awesome. that whenever I whenever I offend anybody. I'm just like working oh, on my yeah, set. Yeah, right. You know? That's it. I'm it a is. pro. I don't mean it. It's just a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's just a joke. I'm just kidding, guys. It's just material. But anyways, from there, uh, I became a father and came back to Texas and uh, uh, had to get a real job and quit bartending and, and doing comedy stuff on the weekends. Uh, I got into surgery technology, Got a cert- uh, became certified in surgical tech and uh, started my career in Denton and then uh, moved to back home in Wise County, Decatur, Texas at Wise Regional. They're specializing in neuro um you know, spines and brains and orthopedics. Well, look at that. Orthopedics. So, you know, he worked with one of our former guests, right? Would that be Dr. Wade McKenna, our yeah. stem cell expert? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, yes, I absolutely worked with McKenna. Uh, several cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I have a very, just so many fond memories of working with that guy. He's so good, so talented at what he does. And, and then his, you know, ongoing research and education for himself and just what he does is just awesome. I'm a big fan of Wade McKenna. I'd like to give him a shout out at some point. Uh, say hello. Well, Cooper Reed says hi. You yeah, know? we're actually huge fans also. When he, when he came on the show, I thought that was one of the coolest if you haven't had a chance, look at that episode. I don't know. Whatever number. Whatever Stem number cells. it is. Stem cells. Stem cells, yeah. yeah. There is something that you need to look at. Did you ever do, did you ever assist him in any of the stem cells or did you only just do the open cutting stuff? I was doing the open cutting stuff, you know, and then he would get in and then he would spin the plasma and stuff and, and re-administer that, you know, once closing was done to help with the healing and things, like, you know, um, stuff like that afterwards. He was doing the in uh, the NOR PRP experiments yep, the back PRP, then. Yeah. And he had his own centrifuge and he had, usually had one or two dedicated people there mm-hmm. that were just... It was basically a mini lab in right. the OR. Right in the middle of the yeah, OR. Yeah, just wow. spinning it. You know, like while we were doing the case, you know, we'd be spinning the, the uh, PRP and separating all that. And then at the end of it, it was, you know, the assist job or whoever was helping, you know, close up the, the case. Um, they would administer that for, a, for you know, the healing process and regeneration that goes on. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was really cool. He, yeah. was, he was into it. I mean, of course, you had the other two awesome orthos there, Havronic and... Uh, Ribeiro, yes, also. Yeah, um, I, I spent lots of time working with uh, Dr. Ribeiro. He's he's one of my favorite surgeons. He's a, a great, great physician and a great guy in general. You know, just uh, anyways, those guys. And then his first assist, uh, his first assist, Jacob, who's been with him many, many years. Uh, he's one of my best friends and and a super sharp guy. But also super fun and, and another, witty guy. Too. Another college baseball player. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you had 
great environment right there. Did something happen where you just like said, screw this, you threw down the <laughs> the trocar or whatever it is, take off your scrubs <laughs> and just walked out or what happened? Yeah, so I really um I wasn't I wasn't happy or fulfilled after a certain amount of time, you know. Um I like I said, I was in Chicago studying comedy and all this stuff and then I was like, okay, well I gotta get a real job, raise a family, do that sort of thing. Um so Jacob Mayberry invited me, you know, to, he's like, Hey, maybe you should come check out, you know, follow Roberto and I in a case and then see if you want to go get certified, see if it's something you want to do. And so I did that I audited uh, a day with, with uh, Roberto at, at Bridgeport. And then uh, from there I was like, okay, I'm going to go get certified and do this for a while. Um, and then, you know, several years go by, you know, about four or five years. And um, I start to uh, just kind of check in with myself and realize that, uh, I'm not, I'm not happy. You know, I, my home life, I'm, I'm, I'm looking back on it now. It might be a little bit of depression. You know, um, I had all these great things going on. I had a good job. Uh, was in a happy, I liked the people I was working with. Um, but you know, there was just, I was tired, sure. fatigue. Um, you didn't have a creative outlet. I, I mean, didn't have that you, outlet. No. If you did, you know, if you did the performing arts, then comedy, you've got that brain that needs to constantly be stimulated like that right right and so when in surgery it became so monotonous so robotical you know um doing the same things and you know i i rose up to be you know really good at you know in the in the spine and neuro area and then um and even that you know after a while i'm like i'm helping people you know with spines and brains and working on that that's awesome that's exciting i love it but after a while i just knew that i i wanted like my heart was calling me to like be out and about and go moving, shaking. Um, and then, but as my, my health started deteriorating as well, really? like with like, with like the, the fatigue, uh, and the, the depression and I started gaining weight. Um, and really it was the unhappiness with the weight and all, not really unhappiness with the weight, but just like the not being fulfilled and being unhappy. Plus the weight gain, I had to really check in with myself and figure out what was going on there. So I started taking steps to get healthy. So let's look at that. How do you think that you ended up becoming unhealthy in that environment? Because unfortunately we see a lot of people in healthcare and I think there's a lot of reasons for it. It's the hours, it's the stress, the shift work, all different kinds of things. So our healthcare providers sometimes are sacrificing themselves without even realizing it to try to help other people. How do you think that process happened with you? I, I, I mean, I agree. I think that's what it was, you know, like the, the long hours, the, um, you know, it's, it's physical work. You're on your feet, you know, eight, 12 hours a day. That's a good thing though. That, yeah. that, no, <laughs> that's a, no, no, that's a great thing to be moving, but once you, you know, the, the long hours and just, you know, exertion with the mental exertion as well, you know, going and the emotional, you know, you, you're working with people, you're trying to save lives here, you know? And so they take their jobs very seriously. So mentally, physically long hours, um, that I will, I will say though, you. but do you say that standing in one spot, you know, whenever you're working as the, as the technician, uh, you're oftentimes, especially in a difficult case, you're holding a pose mm -hmm. for a very, very long time while something's being articulated, something's being cut out and you really are sacrificing a lot. You get aches, pains, et cetera. You can probably, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just this holding these, you know. And then, yeah, and then you want to move. So I'm just thinking yeah. back when I was a med student where we had to do that. Yeah. And you like, I remember at University of Nebraska, we we're doing a gunshot wound at like 2 a.m. and you're holding these retractors and you start getting fatigued, start shaking, surgeon starts yelling at you. <laughs> right. like, Quit moving the field. <laughs> right. You're like, not trying. Yeah. It's 3 a.m. You get a little bead of sweat that's just barely rolling down. <laughs> yeah, into your like, eye. I hope it's not going to fall into the sterile field. You know, yeah, there's all kinds of distresses and yeah, that going on. Yeah, for sure. But I think that, um, so over a long period of time, I think that that 
that weighed a lot on me um just with the stress that goes on with that environment um and then uh and then just you know not not being out and being active as much and being indoors so putting in those hours and you and i've kind of hit on this in the past but what was your interpretation of maybe this is an institution of health that i'm in but make no mistake it's an institution and it's an, and it's an industry what did you think about the hospital industry where you're supposed to be delivering health and then maybe some of the execution of some of that uh as it, as it rolled out. Right. And that's where, yeah. So morally I saw some things, but didn't sit well with me, you know, being in that industry. Right. Sure. Um, I saw that, uh, that, uh, you have the patient that becomes like kind of just someone that's there in the middle. Right. And you have, for me, um, in a lot of cases you would have the insurance companies, you know, and the doctors kind of going back and forth. And it becomes more of like a, a number, you know, the patient becomes maybe a, a number versus like, hey, let's really figure out what's going on here rather than like walking in and being like, OK, who's who's insurance? What you know, what's the insurance here? You know, um, and, and, and so that for me is like it was just a, it was one of the minor things, but it was one of the things that caught my attention. You know, that like it's it's where the healthcare system is for me is like it needs to be more focused on, you know, like the patient and patient health and the patient well-being rather than, you know, worrying about, you know, the money parts and the insurances. And I know that all, that all plays a very important role in it all for sure. But, um, uh, it just kind of seemed like the, the patient was kind of being put to the wayside and just, you know, and so that was for me, one of the indicators, like, I don't know if I want to stay in this, you know, for, and make it a career. Well, I know that the three orthos that you referenced, uh, Ribeiro, McKenna and Havronic, they all, were incredible patient oh, advocates. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. And so yeah. it's the hard yeah. part I've seen, I've seen them struggle with it too. It's like, how can I deliver this service? And Ken, you know this, a lot of times it's not even, can I do this without insurance? It's, do I even have a place to allow this? You tried to do a charity case here recently and almost got blocked when you're trying to give up your time. And that kind of stuff gets in the way when you're like, look, I'm just trying to provide a service who needs it. And we've got others who are able to basically burden so yeah unfortunately it's super complex and we have developed a system that is an organism that feeds on itself we have developed a system where well like chris kresser talks about all the time yeah we are trying to fix the end organ thing and trying to and then people have figured out how to make a profit on it right and um i remember listening to peter adia talk one time where he's he was a, a cardiothoracic surgeon i think because he really felt like he was at the bottom of the hospital and people were lobbing eggs and yeah. he was just trying to catch the eggs. He's like, why don't we quit throwing the eggs out the window? How yeah. about that? And that's kind of what you're getting at, where your mind, I can see that you are very in tune to your feelings, nature and everything. And that's really cool that you took a step back and went, wait a minute, this is not for me. Right. And yeah. I'm not going to be able to solve it. So sure. you're not going to go into hospital administration or yeah. politics. So. You know, I, I, I was working, um, I was editing blogs for a, a guy who's really into sustainability named Rob Greenfield. And uh, when I was working with him, I was like, man, how do we, like, I would love to try to take on the medical industry and just the waste that they produce and everything like that. So I've like had the ambition, like in the thought, like, how can this happen? But then again, you know, it's such a huge, there's so many things that are going on with it, but, but yeah. Um, it's something that I can't solve, but I took a step back and said, well, this, I would, I would love, I know what's going on, but I'm gonna take a step back and do what's best for me. And so that led to me, I, I did take one last two raw as a travel surgical tech, went travel and took some contracts, you know, out of state, uh, to kind of see kind of where my mind was on that. And then and went, Oh, it's not just wise County. It's not just, this it's just is a, a nationwide whole thing. problem. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Was there yeah. A, was there a straw, a proverbial straw that kind of was like, you know what, this is this is the part that is just non-negotiable for me, or was it just kind of everything together? It kind of you know, it was all it all kind of came together, and it was where I was in life, um, and it was, just kind of felt like a time to move on. Um, yeah, I love the people that I worked with, and you know, I was I enjoyed my time doing that. But at the same time, I was I, I was ready for more. I wanted to be fulfilled. Um, I wanted to. I, I needed challenge. I needed challenge. Um, how I, old How old is your son at this time? So I have a daughter. Daughter. She's eight right now. So back then, she whenever I stopped all this, you know, she was five, six that years takes old. Yeah. Guts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. And so I imagine that you. You left there for a much more lucrative investment banking type thing where you just moved to Manhattan. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, yeah, so quite the opposite. Uh, <laughs> so what I did is I took the little money I did have and I purchased a school bus and converted it into a camper uh, and then spent the rest of my money on Christmas gifts for the family that year. Uh, and then, yeah, converted that school bus into a camper and went roaming around in the mountains of uh, New Mexico and a little bit of Colorado. And No plan. And no plan, really, other than I wanted to get into travel. Like, I'm like, now's the time to do it. I want to figure out a way to make a living, you know, traveling. So what do I do? I get the school bus converted and I'm just like, I start inviting people on these adventures up the mountains to kind of like, hey, I'll take you on an adventure, you know, pay for the gas, give me a little extra and I'll show you a great time. I have connections in New Mexico and Colorado and, you know, various other places in Texas. So that was my first kind of entrepreneurial thing. How would people find you? Uh, social media. Yeah. Really? I, I was utilizing social media. I started, uh, I, I became uh, a part of this group called Superhero Academy. Uh, you can find them superheroacademy.net or anywhere online. Um, they got a really good thing going on. So I started learning about social entrepreneurship uh, and just how to utilize, you know, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube to make a living, right? To, to put yourself out there, to brand yourself, right? And so this was back in 2015 or so that I started it, 2015, 2016. Anyway, so I started... That's how I started. Like, that's how everyone knew. Like that's that's where I was posting, just with my close community, friends and family on Facebook, and you know that's where my first few customers came from. So, and then it went from there. Did you have a long bus or a short bus? It was or? kind of a short bus. It was like it was an old. Uh, well, it wasn't. It was a 1998 uh -huh. uh, Thomas, and it was uh, one of the shorter versions. It wasn't the long one, but it wasn't necessarily like a short bus sure. either. It was like one of those like mid weird, Twitter. like big. Block, yeah, tweener, yeah. <laughs> but it was like getting big and blocky, and uh, but it only had like sixty-seven thousand miles, and it was a diesel when I bought it from a kid that was moving down to Texas A&M and had it for his buddies to go fishing in, and uh, I paid forty-three hundred bucks for it, and I was like, this is a, a little nugget of gold right here. That so, actually sounds you know. pretty awesome. That yeah. sounds really cool. <laughs> Unless uh, you had like it, like your first few guests ended up being like serial murder or something. Yeah. Like, uh, so yeah. Oh, are you are you Jason? There's a guy in a hockey mask holding a machete. And <laughs> What's nods. in the bag? <laughs> Come on in. Let yeah, me show you an adventure. Yeah. Why yeah. is your trash bag so heavy? <laughs> <laughs> he probably would have lightened up on one of my trips. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good time. And it was that's what it was about, though. It was about getting out and finding yourself and exploring and being out in nature. And also just the travel experience and the cognitive effects it does have on the mind. Um, and just in, in, in just how healthy it is. I think, it, I think a lot of our health starts at our, you know, in our mind, our thought process and our brain. Um, so that's what I wanted to show people. Hey, get out, do what you love, but also here's a healthy way to do it by getting outside and pushing yourself, challenge yourself. Let's go skiing. Let's go snowboarding. Let's go kayaking. You know, let's go hiking up in the mountains. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so that's actually the stuff you do. It was almost yeah. like it, it was like an adventure bus. It was an adventure bus. Yeah, that's what it was. Absolutely. Do you have any problems with that uh, that 98 diesel in the in the cold ever firing up? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, no serious problems. Um, there was a couple of mornings, uh, or there were a couple of mornings where it was just like slow to start. Um, but it would usually fire right up, man. This thing was a beast. It was, it, it just ran and ran and ran. And I think part of it was because it had low mileage and it was just kind of getting broken in, you know, like <laughs> diesels, those diesel engines will run forever and ever. And I'm just getting broken in, but no, it fired right up in the mountains. Yeah. But yeah. that is the exact opposite of the job that you were doing as a surgical tech. The Absolutely. exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. That's a trip. Uh, uh, just real quick before we have 30 seconds till break, but okay. did you feel that the moment you began to engage with people on a personal level that suddenly now you're starting to feel an elevated mood versus always seeing patients that were asleep? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was my favorite part of actually being in the surgery is like, you know, communicating with those patients before they went, went under. And then, yes, when I moved into it and started talking with people one on one. That was where I really started to thrive. We're going to wrap up this la- this half hour and, and uh, join Cooper again for the next hour. But uh, we'll be back here in just a moment. And that's not where his story stops. See you in a bit. This is the only 24-hour take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. This hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. The House Intelligence Committee issuing subpoenas for former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and former Trump Deputy Campaign Manager Rick Yates. It's part of the committee's ongoing investigation of counterintelligence issues raised by the Mueller report. Committee Chairman Adam Schiff says the two have refused to cooperate fully. The subpoenas demand that the two submit documents by June 26th and appear for testimony on July 10th. Both Flynn and Gates are cooperating with prosecutors in ongoing investigations. Both have entered guilty pleas to various crimes connected to the Russian interference in the 2016 elections, but have yet to be sentenced. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines. Amid heightened tension in the Persian Gulf region, two oil tankers have apparently been attacked in the Gulf of Oman. The two vessels reportedly hit, sent out SOS signals, and their crews were evacuated. Who might have carried out these attacks and how is not yet clear. But this has happened in shipping lanes that carry a significant amount of the world's oil supplies and at a time of high tension in the region. The US recently tightened its sanctions on Iran and reinforced its military in the Gulf. The BBC's Alan Johnston. President Trump says there's no harm in listening. That's what he tells ABC's George Stephanopoulos, who asked the president whether he would accept campaign dirt against a political rival from a foreign source. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. Mr. Trump insists that simply listening to the information would not constitute outside interference in a U.S. election. Stocks are higher on Wall Street this hour. The Dow is up about 94 points, the NASDAQ ahead 51, the S&P 500 index up 12 points. More on these stories at townhall.com. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your Dish-authorized retailer now. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. 
Pills. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395. And we're back for hour number two, episode 14, Gut Check Project. Check your ego at the door. Nothing's off the table. We're joined today by Cooper Reed, digital and social entrepreneur, and, of course, a MAPS advocate and a volunteer for the Zindo Project. We will get to that in just a moment, but let's touch base again in case you've forgotten. LoveMyTummy.com slash Spoonie. Get your discount on Atron Teal today. And the big challenge for everybody, we want everybody to commit. Buy a bottle for a friend or family member. Use that code. Use that code. Everybody's a winner there. And don't forget, if you really want to win, if you really want to win, subscribe and share the Gut Check Project. Go to uh, Gut Check Project on YouTube, the Gut Check Project channel, or search for Gut Check Project on iTunes. Subscribe. Then all you have to do is go to kbmdhealth.com or gutcheckproject.com. Connect with us. Let us know that you did it. You'll be entered. We're going to draw at least five winners in July. It's five, it. five winners, and what are they going to get? They're going to get the Signature Protection Package, which is Atron Teal and KBMD CBD one-month supply, no cost to you. Enter as many times as you want, but of course, we'll just see what happens, how many every times you can subscribe. <laughs> so, uh, But we'll, we'll go that route. Um, if you're new to Gut Check Project, we are hosted on the Spoonie Network, and there's an amazing array of shows out there that uh, Dr. Brown and I both have tried to... Take in as many episodes as we can, everything from Family Meal with Chef Mark Conway to No Butts Too Big, that's just with one T, that's with Elisa Shakespeare, and of course, the great Chef Patrick Mosher is on this channel also. So, tune in to the Spoonie Network. If you ever want to learn a little bit about food, it's not just Gut Check Project on here talking about new innovations in health and new approaches. It is also a lot about food and food science and improving the way that you eat we're just trying to make it we're, this is about making everybody better and, and we're listening to cooper talk about some really cool brave changes in his life he saw that his health was heading in the wrong direction pivoted and got that bus slash camper and started doing things so you started discovering nature and things so one of the things that i like to do sometimes with eric is i'll ask i'll ask him philosophy quotes 
and if he can remember the philosopher who said it. Uh-oh. So here is the philosophical quote of the day. Uh-huh. Reality is wrong. Dreams are for real. Reality is wrong. Dreams are for that's uh, that was uh, what Tupac was did, did that is Tupac, Tupac. Tupac yes. said that? that is nice. Hey, Tupac, nice. Tupac was a philosopher, man. Like he, he like, you know, like say what you want about it, but I know a lot of people love him. But man, his, he's got some content. He's got some context. Look at that. New to the game, went wow. straight to the hip hop repertoire. Nice, that is nice, Cooper. Nice. Welcome to the show. You may have cheated and, <laughs> and heard one of the other episodes, but uh, but that's good. That's actually really good. Yeah. yeah. No, so, that's good. No, normally, it's uh, it's uh, it's Little Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do a Little Wayne one today, but I don't know. I think this is pushing the boundaries on it. So, uh oh, it's no, it's not, it's not Silent G's and Lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> Silent G's and Lasagna it's, is uh, there's there's a whole website dedicated to Little Wayne quotes. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Push to none in a wheelchair. Call that Virgin Mobile. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, of he course. Wrap that in a song. <laughs> A lot of truth in that. Well, yeah. it's I just like how at what at what point are you going to maps.org and you say, Listen, I need to write some music. What do you have for me? He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, put it all in a cup, mix it up with some uh yeah. whatever it is, lean. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna write some crazy write some lyrics, stuff. some yeah. beautiful stuff. So well, hey, we uh, we left off uh, last half hour. You were talking about uh, the bus. Uh, right. Do you have any you have any experiences in the bus that maybe didn't go exactly as planned? Uh yeah, yeah. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, I had a couple. Um, no, the one that sticks out the most though is we were in uh, Taos, New Mexico, and uh, it had been you love know Taos. What now? I love Taos. Oh man, it's my favorite. Um, so we were we'd been there for about a week or so. I was with my brother and my friend Amy. Um, and we were just having a good time up the mountain. Some other friends were over in Angel Fire, so we like met up with them, got on the mountains, and then it was time to go home. And we came in on this like really sketchy like mountain trail, <laughs> and then we were just like, and I was like, I'd been there several times and came in like the normal way, but for whatever reason, the GPS like was like we're gonna go this direction, and I was like, and save you two minutes, yeah, save you two minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, okay, cool. We're going to go this way, yeah. the back way in. And um, so naturally, like when we left, like there was a, it, there had been snow in, um, and, you know, and the temperatures dropped to about, uh, you know, zero while we were there. So when we were heading out, I'm like, I'm going to go back that direction and uh, see what happens. And it was not a good choice. We got up. <laughs> uh, we got, we're going uphill on these frozen roads, you know, and this is trail. This is all dirt, you know, this is just rocks and dirt. And I'm like, uh, I knew I knew it was sketchy going up. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with it and see what happens. And no, and, you know, we start sliding. Oh. You know, we, and I can't get it under control. We end up. I'm trying to press the brakes at one point. We're just kind of on this incline. Do you have air slope. brakes on this bus? It, I don't even know, honestly. <laughs> what, I have no idea. The, <laughs> the they were actually. They were actually Flintstone brakes. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. everyone had to put her the... feet down through the floorboard. <laughs> Your toes yeah. getting really cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we were just sliding and back, back, back. We back. You know, we kind of almost kind of were going off of the the mountain side a little bit. It wasn't like a steep drop off, but it would have been something that I could not have gotten out of. So I tried to like steer it back, and I just as I was sliding backwards, I turned the wheel. I turned the wheel and um, got it like just perpendicular with the road. And then tried to pull out, but even even turning, 
and trying to get out of it, it just made the situation even more. And I going into the bank of the road. What is everyone snow, saying on the bus? And everyone, uh, well, after a lot of silence, it was, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was like straight silence for a long day. Like, and you know, and then you have the, the, the hum of the engine going and, you know, everyone just quiet. Like what, like, why did you take us this route? <laughs> like, we understand you're about adventure, but like, this is not for us. And, you know, like I said, and my brother is just back there shaking his head. Like, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Your brother's probably and, at that being like, I don't understand how you got insured for this travel thing. <laughs> insurance, right. we don't need insurance. No, we're going. Exactly. No, let's just go. Um, anyway, um, so we go into the bank, and the nose of the bus is stuck into the side of the road and the snow and all that. So um, we had to get the, the the city officials or the the rangers. I think that the park rangers showed up, and this big old snow plow monster truck looking thing comes out, and they tie a chain on and yank us out and get us going back the opposite direction back to the safe road did they trail you just to make sure you made it down uh yeah yeah they did they did because uh yeah the rest luckily though it was all like downhill you know so it was just kind of easy cruise down but but that was a sketchy moment because like we almost went off the mountain on the backside, then we crashed into the bank on the other side so so when you were following this uh snow cat thing did it have a bumper sticker that said if you can read this you're an yeah. idiot <laughs> <laughs> might as well have. might as well i was just uh you know yeah i don't know man it was just like i'm gonna try it i'm gonna go with it but see you know what i love it. about that that stuff i would not do <laughs> yeah. i mean i would only like go on like the most i i totally admire you from doing that and i think that is what's so cool you left this career you jumped in both feet and you start pushing your boundaries exactly including that that's why having even having these these events that you got through and you became a little better for it. That's what, if you're on the fence on something and you're worried about failure, failure happens. I like how you just brought, I just like how you brought along some innocent people for your adventure. (laughs) For my wild stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're great friends. And uh, yeah, they're they're, they're friends. Uh, They, I don't know why, but they came with me and uh, they all live to store, you know, tell their own versions of the story. So, you know, that's what I'm about experiences. Right. You know, I would love to hear their versions. Like everybody's screaming. (laughs) (laughs) He's just got quiet. I just like, it's just just meditating. Yeah. It's calm. He just pulled a curtain behind him and told us to sit down yeah, that's awesome yeah yeah but that was kind of the most sketchy moment uh, being on the side of that mountain not be able to get up and get out of there yeah but other than that though it was a lot of fun so after that so you uh, i know that you you had the bus new mexico and colorado mm-hmm. you then told me that you had moved to taking a trip down to mexico is that right i did is that, is that yeah. right after this or that was it? yeah shortly after i had really <laughs> that would I've, do it to me too yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a little bit after. I wanted a change of scenery. I'd been hitting the mountains hard, um, and it was, you know, February or so. I was like, oh, something tropical sounds nice right now, and I had the freedom. I created the amount of freedom from, you know, I downsized a whole lot in the process of moving careers and changing careers. Sure. Went minimal, kind of, you know, like downsized from a house to like a, a spare bedroom and a bus. Um, so anyway, so I had some freedom, and I was like, I'm going to take a trip down to Mexico. Um, I did a garage sale to raise a little bit more funds for that. And took $176 with me and uh, spent about seven weeks down in Mexico, all around the Riviera Maya region from East of Mujeres and Cancun down to Playa del Carmen, down to Tulum, oh, yeah. and then back up. Yeah. And so. Just on that money? Just on that money. Holy just God. on that money. Now, I did have like, I had a, a savings account, and so I bought a one way ticket. Uh, for 82 bucks when I went down there. And so I didn't buy a returning ticket back until like a few, like 
several weeks into that trip, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I had savings account for that plane ticket back, but I just went with $176 cash and that's all I used. Ended up getting a couple of jobs while I was down there, staying in hostels, using couchsurfing.com where people open up their doors to travelers all over the world, need a place to stay, you get in a pinch, like you can get on this, really? you can get on this website and app and someone, there's always someone that will let you in and crash on their, like on a pallet on the floor or a spare bedroom or the couch. So couchsurfing.com and hostels is how I afforded a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Did you wow. make any good friends? Oh my gosh, man. I met people from all over the world. I made great friends. There's a guy down there right now, uh, Cello Fernandez. And um, so he comes from a long line of fishermen down there that have specifically lived on Isla Mujeres. So Isla Mujeres is a tiny little island right off of Cancun. Which is beautiful. It's been gorgeous. It's, it's so pretty. It's so great. Um, and so he comes from a long line of fishermen there. And so he was one of the guys that uh, I used on couchsurfing.com. And he and I just hit it off, buddies. He taught himself English by playing american video games and watching american film so so that's how he learned english and so um anyway so now he's got his own like little tour guide boat and uh, he takes people out on adventures for snorkeling he's also a a whale shark diver and so in june or no july july i'm hoping to go down there and catch out uh catch some whale sharks uh not catch them but hang out with them sure in the waters down there yeah so Cello was one of the great, you know, great friend who I go down there and visit all the time now. Um, and then people from all over the world, Italy, Sweden, uh, Switzerland, uh, Argentina. I mean, people like I met people. We made these connections while we're all there traveling. We're all just kind of relaxing in that travel zone, that travel spirit, you know. And uh, and so you meet people all along the way, um, all walks of life. And so I have people who've like invited me to their homes all around the world after connecting with them while traveling said hey anytime you're in our part of the world come hang out so uh first what what were kind of the jobs what were the tenures of some of the jobs that you had down there oh so um i have a i have a background in bartending and uh, restaurant management sure. as well so um uh, there's a part of Isla Mujeres down Hidalgo that's a little bit more tourist, but it's got a long line of like markets and restaurants and cantinas. And so I found myself bartending uh, for one uh, cantina and bar restaurant. And then at another one, I was a host. They liked that I could speak English and talk to the this English speaking tourists. So I would get people, hey, you know, how's it going? Where are you from? Come on in, try the food. You nice. know, like, yeah. So uh, doing things like that. Um, and then for like, uh, one job we got it was kind of like the the beginning of like the digital marketing like kind of side of like trying to make money oh, so doing you were, that you you weren't doing the you were just doing the digital marketing just to get yourself out there on facebook right. and people yeah. would say hey can i give you this amount of money to go do hop on the bus and do this sure so you just went down there and yeah so i was like i was doing a lot of blogging and vlogging and stuff like that trying to be like one of those like travel influencers if you will um so yeah so then while i was down there you know got funds got a little tight and so there was a, a little spa company that right up you know or uh like a massage company of those little those huts on the beach and so they were wanting to grow their business and they we just ran into them like at a cantina or something like that and they said well can you build us out a website and we'll you know we'll pay you like you know so my friend amy and i my my friend amy who went who was on the crazy bus experience yeah. <laughs> crazy enough. She's a trooper and she met me down in Mexico. She had a week to spend. So she came down to Mexico. And so we helped build out this little website for a little uh, massage company. And that was kind of like the first, you know, a little bit into digital marketing. Were they one of the first ones in their geographical area to have that? I mean, for their, in their niche uh-huh. and they're like their spa and their, yeah. and their, their massage hut. Yes. But you know, there are like, there were um, other restaurants that, 
you know. You know, I don't know if you follow them. I actually follow them. This is, they're now Massage Envy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're, wow. They're, they actually yeah. became wow. Massage Envy. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But. Congratulations, Cooper. Digital <laughs> marketing was insane. It was just a whiz, man. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, that was what, another way that I, I made money uh, doing that for a little did bit. Did you, yeah. just like out of curiosity, did you uh, market to people that were going to be potential tourists? Like, so they, they know that they're going to book travel to that region. And so now you're, you're putting their website in front of those particular people rather than just the local. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's, I have a friend who's down there, um, you know, uh, Sean Petty with everything Isla.com. He, he's a former, he always a family member of mine, but, uh, I wanted to help him out, but also we wanted the experience of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I knew that I had a huge group of, you know, friends and family here in Texas that, needed to discover Issa Harris, And so putting Sean on, putting his other businesses on, sharing the experience uh, on my, you know, my branding and my trying to influence travelers and then hope in hopes of getting sponsorships and, and other gigs at hotels and hostels around the world. That was kind of like my hopes in doing all that. And um, that's, that's a lot of the why as to, as to why I did it. But yeah, I was trying to get people to come down and kind of influence the Isla and just really influence travel in general. Well, that's awesome because you were benefiting the island. You were benefiting the people coming down. They were learning. You were helping the locals. That's, Absolutely. I think yeah. that's great. That's a very rewarding and fulfilling thing. Yeah, Absolutely. So yeah. that's what you did for work. What was your downtime like there? Oh, man. Downtime was paddleboarding and kayaking and uh, just hanging out at the hostels and meeting new people. Sure. Uh, when I, I I mentioned the family from Argentina, like they they scooped me up and they uh, I just spent the whole day with them. I met there, so there were three siblings. No, there were four siblings. Four siblings. I met them at a hostel called Pokna. If you ever go to East Harris, you got to go to Pokna. Uh, it's like one of the oldest and one of the largest hostels in Central America. Um, so we're hanging out there having drinks, and uh, I end up running into the brother. The brother, he, he was my age, so we start talking. He uh, owns a, a a hostel down in Cordoba, Argentina, and so he and I hit it off. And he introduces me to his sisters. Um, they're on holiday with their father, mm -hmm. and they're they're like staying gone for like eight weeks or something like that. They'd already been through like Central America, uh, uh, Central Mexico, and we're just kind of traveling along. We spent that night together. They're like, "Hey, in the morning, meet us at the beach. You can meet our dad." So I went and met Koki, the dad. Call him Coco, Koki, um, and he doesn't speak a speak a lick of English whatsoever. Where was the dad staying? Where was he staying at the time? I think he was at the hotel room okay. at their like at their so hotel they, room. So they so they were staying in the hostel by choice. They were hanging out at the hostel because there's this big like open bar, oh, like there's this big like beach okay. bar. There's this huge beach bar out there, so people come to party there. But and there's also like a lot of rooms and beds, nice. of course, to stay. Cool. But like it's one of the party spots, you know, of the island, and so that's where we met. But then you know they all end up staying at their hotel there. I don't know. I, I'm not sure which one they were at, but yeah, that's where he was hanging out. Next morning, I met him, spent the day on the beach with them, and then uh, by the end of it, uh, they decided to invite me down to you know the next couple of stops, which happened to be like Playa del Carmen and Tulum, and um, so they just took took me with them. Like said, hey, come on, we like you. You want to travel with us and go down and experience <laughs> some more of Mexico? And I was like, uh, I looked at my you know checked my wallet, like uh. Sure, let's go. <laughs> this isn't going to be good on the funds, but I'm going to make it happen, and we'll see what what comes of it. And I had a great experience. You kind of gauge it where you realize, well, I noticed that that sibling never finishes her food. I'll just play cleanup on that plate. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, they were super hospitable. Like took, and that was that their culture. Really, you know, 
I didn't, I don't know. One of the things I observed about their little family is like anytime they had anything to drink, anything to like to eat, like they just passed it around to every single member of the family. And I'm like, that's really cool. They just like share it with everybody. You know, like I grew up with like a brother and a sister, you know, family of five. And it's like, fend for yourself, man. This is my food. This is, anyways, but, so, so then that part of the culture was cool. Cordoba is actually where my parents met. My mother's, oh, wow. my mother's Argentinian. And so one of the things that they do as a culture is they have something called mate, which is a tea. Did they do that around yes. you at all? Yes. They put that's it in cool. It, it's, you have what's called a bonbon, and then you put this mate tea, which is a, a tea full of polyphenols. And they think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of the Argentinians, at least traditionally, that's what they would do. But what they would do is you pour it in, and you have this metal straw, and then you sip the water out, but then you pass it on to the next person. Okay. So everybody, it's a community tea that everybody sucks out of the same straw. And it's, it's the culture of coming together around this one thing. That yeah. is awesome. And so it's they really the cool. They have, yes. Yeah. So, you know, and then there are so, so a lot of Argentinians will, will go to uh, East of Harris. And so that's where I started seeing. And I was like, and I talked to one guy, he actually, a guy who ended up putting some dreadlocks in my hair. Uh, uh, Basquito is, was his, his, was his name. Um, but he always had one and he was like really cool, intricate design. Uh, what do you call, how do you say it? The bonbon. No, bonbon. So his was like really cool. So I, I approached him and found out all about it. And it was a tea. And so, yeah, like the, they, and they share it. They just like, yeah, you, you know, you're here with us, your family, we share, we'll share everything with you. Is there a particular time of day? Um, I, not that I, it was kind of random from what I, you yeah. know, so just we like, went almost to, like coffee time, tea okay. time, you know, it's kind of like centered around like that, those days, you know, those cool. hours. So, a really quick little story about Argentina. Sure. Uh, my friend, Russ Havranek, he called in, his father died of ALS. We did a show talking about that, about stem cells and all that, helping with that. Well, Russ and I were invited down to Argentina when I was a medical student. We didn't know what we were getting into, who was inviting us or anything. And we went down to Hospital Italiano in Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. And we show up, and we had made no plans or anything. A family invited us. There were, there were patients at University of Nebraska. And so this is classic Russ. We get in there. We're like, should we wear white coats or should we wear like suits? And he's like, yeah, let's just go with suits. So we go in, and then the residents came up to us. They're like, oh, we have American med students. And <laughs> Russ doesn't speak a lick of Spanish. And he goes to the chief resident. He goes, what are we doing? He goes, I, I think we're going to go do a liver transplant. He's like, we do liver transplants in Nebraska. We didn't fly to Argentina to watch other people do a liver <laughs> transplant. And I went, yeah, true that. Russ puts his coat back on. He goes, tell them, this is straight, like, this is exactly what he said. He goes, tell them we're here to evaluate them for an exchange program. And so in Spanish, I tell the guy that. The guy goes, oh, lo siento, lo siento. Next thing we know, guy shows up, and on his card, it just says jefe. Boss. The boss. <laughs> he took us right to his office, filled up a mate, and said, let's have some fun. And that was how the next two months went, where it was just like, you know, just that one moment where Russ just went, nah, we better, we better go all in on this one. Yeah. We didn't do any work. <laughs> I love it. I love that, man. That's a great story. But, but that's immediately the way to bond is to get the mate out and share it. So we shared it with El Jefe. What a cool tradition, man. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So, so you're down. You go down and you, you travel with them a little bit further south. Yeah. And then, uh, then how many weeks in are you on your seven weeks day? 
Um, that was really early on. Oh, um, wow. That was pretty early. That was like my first couple of weeks down there. I met them. So it was really hard for you to make friends, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and so like, so part of the reason that I ended up uh, using couchsurfing.com and, and, and really spending a lot of time in the hostels was because I had a cousin that was down, you know, she used to live down there and she would sublease her place out. Um, you know, she would, she would sub lease her place out and come back to Texas to, uh, to work. And then like for like a week or 10 days, spend the rest of her time on Isla. Well, she's like, yeah, well, I got this place. You can come crash if you're going to come hang out. So I'm like, cool. Free place to stay with cousin. Great. Well, they get their wires crossed, miscommunication with management and the leasing people. And so it turns out like, and she ends up leaving to go back and stay in Texas for a month this time. So she's like, you'll have the place to yourself. And so I'm like, great. And then like the day after she leaves and gets back to Texas, she's like, so I'm so sorry, but there's been a mix up with management and they've booked out the, the Airbnb or VRB or whatever it was, sure. booked it out for the rest of the time that you're there, except for like <laughs> a couple of days here and a couple of days there. So being like pushed out from like my comfortable little like cool spot is going to be hanging out, you know, for a couple of months. Um, <laughs> yeah. I end up having to be out and try to figure it out. Like, couchsurfing.com hostels so yeah that's that's kind of how that happened but uh i was down there and were you blogging the whole time like if we started to get a following at this point yeah absolutely like i did a couple of uh i did a couple of stories about what uh hidalgo avenue has to offer um and kind of like the kind of how the there's a flow there's a flow down there when you start hanging out in the nightlife you know they they start off at, at one place and go to another and just kind of like as things close down and slow down you know, there's just kind of a flow. Anyway, so I, I, I talked a lot about that. And so just really quickly after a few of these blogs and, you know, taking pictures with it, um, I got a pretty good following, like out of nowhere. Um, it just kind of took off. What helped though was uh, my friend, Sean with isamoharris.com. He, uh, he shared it on his, he shared one of my blogs on his Facebook page. And so got some traction with that. And like within, a month or so i had like 750 subscribers like out of nowhere on my blog so yeah that's awesome. so that's where i really started getting into photo journalism and uh and blogging well this gives us some really good background on you you've got a very interesting past but now we've got uh, about 45 seconds but now we're going to get into some really exciting stuff where you expanded everything and now we're going to talk about the the maps which is the what does map stand for the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies yeah so i got into that um just uh, with all the new research coming out from johns hopkins i kind of rabbit holed into youtube and found out a whole lot of cool stuff through paul stamens and dennis mckenna and terrence mckenna and really got into the effects of psilocybin on the brain this is amazing because this is very parallels what you did when you went down to mexico basically and i was kind of curious but people probably followed your blog because they wanted to know about that yeah. And then engaged, and now you're you're basically just functioning as a new blog for a new level of tourism. We'll be back with the last half hour here in just a moment. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. 
Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-245-0823-800-245-0823-800-245-0823. Call right now. That number again is 800-245-0823. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-452-1075. 800-452-1075. That's 800-452-1075. Never Forgotten Apparel is more than just a premium women's and men's clothing line. It's a movement to remind us to wear American-made and serve those who serve us. Our heroes. Never Forgotten Apparel gives 20% of their total sales to nonprofits that support homeless veterans and off-duty firefighters. And 50% to individual veterans and firefighters in need nationwide. Check out NeverForgottenApparel.com. Use promo code MATT, M-A-T-T, and get 15% off your purchase. So unfortunately, we're listening to music yeah. as it comes but, on. What do you think? I'll just dance with you guys. Man. I was just like, I don't <laughs> hear realize, it, man. Just realize you're not wearing headphones. I'm like, just follow along. Yeah, uh, I like it. Yeah, this is this is Cooper, impromptu dancer. Yeah. Who hears nothing. So uh, Cooper Reed, we're going to continue the story. So we were we left. We're in Mexico. You're down from there for seven weeks, having an incredible experience. It sounds to me like meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And what I was hitting on at the bottom of the hour was that it seems like people probably followed your blog because you were engaging them in something that they knew they didn't know enough about, but they wanted to explore. And that kind of led to what you're doing right now. Is that kind of a good? Yeah, absolutely. So with uh, with the way that travel affects, you know, our consciousness and our mind, um, it's it's such a powerful way. It's a, it's a a stripping of the identity. Really. You're, you're in this place where you don't speak the language. Uh, you've never seen the scenery before. So everything is new. Your senses are heightened. You're just taking in all this information. Right. Uh, and so that's fascinating to me. Um, the consciousness that at that aspect, the nature of reality and kind of how we all, you know, how, how we, how it works together with our mind. And so that led me into, uh, reading more articles, um, about consciousness and things like that, which led into the expansion of consciousness and altered states and so in in that you know going in that realm uh i found psilocybin mushrooms and and lsd and dmt you know psychedelics um i mean the the knowledge of them or you just started dabbling i started uh well the knowledge of them the knowledge of i had a little bit of previous uh, dabbling in my you know early 20s with it which completely changed a lot of things in a positive way uh some of my first experiences um so with having those experiences and then now having the knowledge behind it in the studies and the research that's coming out now or you know started in 1994 with Johns Hopkins um i started just absorbing a lot of that information and that content online and uh, found uh, like Paul Stamets, you know, Dennis McKenna, Terrence McKenna, um, and just kind of uh, I was also going through, you know, how I, I talked earlier about wanting to be out in nature. So I found myself out in nature a lot just for meditation, meditation purposes and just kind of you know, health reasons. Um, 
and then I started noticing mushrooms around, you know, like a lot, a lot more than I'd ever really realized, you know, it kind of come into my, my awareness. And so then every time I'd look around, like, man, there's mushrooms and they're everywhere. That's, and there's so many different kinds of them too. Isn't yeah. that funny? Cause we talked about that NLP. That's like a, that's a neuro linguistic programming. Once your brain opens up to it, you will notice. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's like, they have, you know, people play with this. Uh, one of my good fr- friends plays around with this about parking spots. When yeah. he goes to the grocery store, he like, well, he has this word that he uses, um, but he does this going to the grocery store and just like for open parking spots close to the store. So he doesn't have to walk very far, but he, every single time, like he finds a place anyway. So once you're aware, it starts to show up in your reality. Um, and so I started seeing mushrooms uh, everywhere and started kind of following them around and learn more about how they spore. And so, you know, you, you'll you see in a, you know, in a mature, like, little group, you'll see a, like a ring, you know, like the, the, they call them fairy rings. They're like, they're, there's just rings of mushrooms because that's how they spore. And so I really just got into it. I wanted to find more mushrooms. I got several, like, books on field guides to figure out which ones were which, you know, identifying the species. Um and in, in learning a lot from Paul Stamets uh, on that, you know, he's like the leading guy on mushrooms worldwide. On, on edible mushrooms? Uh, any kind, like okay. whether they're... He's you know, a full mycologist, He's right? a full-blown like mycologist. Uh, he's got a lot of great stuff out there. Um, I think he's been on Joe Rogan once or twice too. So, you know, that's... Anyways, he's got a lot of good knowledge and, and he's got this whole YouTube channel as well. But anyway, so I started just really absorbing a lot of his content based on it and his, uh, his love and passion for uh, mushrooms and mycelium kind of bled over into me I found myself out there amongst it so much. So I started even like doing uh, uh, prints, you know, like taking this, the oh, spore prints yeah. and figuring out, okay, is this poisonous? Is this edible? What is it prints? safe? So what you do, so you can take the caps of mushrooms, you know, yeah, just so, you know, take the cap and you can lay it down on some foil or some like paper and just kind of, and put it like the gills down, you know, like the, the, the top of the cap up and the gills down and leave it there like overnight and you can remove the cap and then find out we and it stains a certain color like orange purple brown and based off the spore prints and what color it is you know if it's like edible poisonous psychedelic know that you're reminding me of something that i completely forgot and in little gainesville our boy scout troop or our cub scout troop did that yeah and it was i forgot all about it that's uh, that is really really interesting. Yeah, so there's a couple of ways to identify them, and that's one of the main ways to do it. But also, you can pick it up, and if you want to find, you know, psilocybin, you know, mushrooms, which is the magical kind, uh, the way that they bruise when you pick them up, you can pinch their stem or like their caps, and if they bruise, uh, you know, that's the uh, the uh, the psil- psilocin molecule, and it bruises bluish purplish, huh. and that's how huh. you know you've got something that's magical in that one. So, anyways, on a com- a quick pivot, sure. Um, Snoop Dogg? Yeah. So, unfortunately, he had a um, his pig, Snoop Dogg. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, uh, golly, I can't believe I'm going to screw up it. Snoop Hoggy Hog. Snoop Hoggy Hog. <laughs> they yeah. had a little miniature pig. His, and, sorry, Marie. R.I.P. Snoop Hogg. Yeah. Oh, man. And it ended up eating um, a, death cap. A, a death cap. Oh, a right. Yeah, mushroom. yeah. And I've had, well, I, Russ lost his dog yeah. to doing the same thing. And so I'm curious man. how animals... They don't have some sort of defense on on that. To like, be fair, that pig would not. I mean, he just. I think whenever you have a pig in captivity, even if you're keeping it as a pet, they're going to eat more. They're going to be less discerning in terms of what they choose to eat. I read that since then. 
So it just saw a mushroom, and rather than try to figure out if it was right or not, I think it just went for didn't, it. It didn't have any foil, and it didn't. It yeah, didn't it did not overnight. go through the imprint yeah, it did or anything. Imprint. It did get back there in the lab and you know study it a little bit. No, oh. but in, in in all seriousness, is does that happen in the wild? I mean, I get that like in captivity, we've probably bred out some of these instincts, but. Do animals eat these poisonous mushrooms in the wild? Usually, it, it's very rare that it happens. Um, I, you know, I think that they have, they know, you know, they know something, and they whether it's the smell that, that the mushrooms are giving off or something, they sense. But it doesn't happen in the wild, but not very often that I'm aware of. It's almost always a domesticated dog or yeah. another pet that ends up consuming the uh, the toadstool or the yeah. dead cap or something. like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it just, I think you just kind of lose that I, edge. You know what? This yeah. is one of those things where now I'm going to see mushrooms everywhere. Yeah, I yeah. just have never really thought about mushrooms. Yeah. Well, it's like this is kind of a good time of the year, you know, like um, when, with the rain, you know, it, it's hot for several days and then we'll get some rain and then those things will pop up everywhere. So this is a good time of year. And also in uh, late September is also a great, great time of year around here in Texas to find mushrooms so, of any kind. While you're doing this research and you're reading, what led to you to say, okay, there's more to it than me just uh, doing identifying and, and, and uh, however you're, you're mapping. I, I know you didn't go into becoming a full mycologist, but obviously you were drawn to those who were. What, what took you to that, that space, and what did you want out of that application? There? Well, just uh, it was so fascinating to find out what mycelium does. You know, mycelium, uh, which is the organism that fruits the mushroom. What you see with mushrooms is just the fruiting of, you know, of the organism, much mm-hmm. like the apple is the tree. The tree is an organism that fruits mycelium is the fungus is the organism that fruits is mushrooms um so mycelium acts as this like underground network almost like you know a vast internet system for the plant kingdom and so there are signals being passed across this mycelium um and it it really resembles like brain uh, neural pathways as well and so um just finding out that they're they are communicating and protecting each other via all this stuff i had i did not know yeah so i'm just looking at a picture here yeah where it really shows this vast network underneath the ground. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so through the soil, huh. like the uh, you know, it, it's all through the soil, and so they are they are communicating. The plants are communicating through mycelium, you know, and obviously other mushrooms and, and mycelium are communicating um, in this vast network. And so they're protecting. They're warning off, you know, other whether plants that could be encroaching or animals or whatever, but it's just signals. And so learning about that and what it's doing. And then Paul Stamets uh, did an experiment with um, like toxic waste. They had this like bunch of toxic waste and there was this issue. I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was like a building or an industrial something. They had this big pile of like waste and trash and and it was toxic. And so what he did was uh, he, he fermented it and, and placed some of these spores of this specific type of mushroom and it grew like crazy and it decomposed this toxic waste and this trash and ate it all up. So not only like, you know, like you have these mushrooms that are good to eat and good for us, but you have these mushrooms that are decomposing the waste and then, then the toxic stuff that we can't hardly get rid of. Like these mushrooms are eating it and bringing it down back to organic matter. Am I? Yeah. I was, Whoa. I don't think that was that long ago. You mentioned to me that they're looking to, basically take plastics that we can't recycle and then you put them into and they 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 function as fungus uh compost piles correct yeah, absolutely yeah. they just turn they return them to the earth the way that we need them yeah they're starting to break down plastic or they're starting to discover that they can break down plastic and really just hard you know stuff that you think man that stuff's going to stay in the landfill forever but mushrooms are like showing to decompose them yeah, they, they yeah. were able to do some of, or discover some of that movement whenever they thought they were predicting you know how long a plastic uh, grocery bag would last in the landfill mm-hmm. and then so as they started doing you know the soil sampling they're doing these long cores they're pulling it out 
they started discovering that where they knew plastic bags and plastic material were, they had been broken down into not plastic, trying to figure out what had happened. And there happened to be fungus and mostly related to mycelium and various types of mushrooms that had helped break that, that is down. Absolutely fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah, wow. the world of mushrooms are just so fascinating. And they're they Paul Samitz really thinks that mushrooms are going to help solve a lot of the problems that are going on right now with like waste and all this, you know, a lot of things, health and the environment. Like it's just a, so like it's just vast opportunity that mushrooms are starting to like show and prove that uh, they're capable of so many things. I have a feeling that if, when Chef Patrick hears this, he's like. Of course, mushrooms are fantastic. He's a chef. He has his own cooking show, <laughs> yeah. and um, he's the, you know. I was just thinking the mushrooms. Well, what are we gonna do? Portobello? What is it gonna be? No idea that this other whole world exists. Absolutely, yeah. And so, like, learning about all that and just becoming fascinated with how it works in nature, like its its purpose in nature. Um, I thought, well, you know, there has to be a purpose, right? That it has this psilocybin, and we have psilocybin uh, receptors in our own brain you know in our brains so uh you know nature you know it's, it all goes hands in hand so i was like there's got to be something here right so let's figure out a little bit more about like the, the psychedelic side and the psilocybin side and what that does and the experiences that that you know that's going on there is that is that uh, curiosity what led you to maps yes absolutely yeah so that's exactly what led me to maps is because their research, you know, starting in 1994, no, it wasn't their research. I'm sorry, but the research that started in 1994 at Johns Hopkins university, Mm -hmm. uh, just, there was just so many profound, uh, learnings from that experiment and the, and the patients going on to have, you know, way like, almost no depression about i think 76 of them uh they checked back about a year later and like anxiety depression was almost non-existent and then um i mean about 85 or 86 percent of those patients um said that that was the most profound and meaningful experiences of their life or one of the most profound experiences of our life um so learning a little bit about that um and, and just kind of what was going on there led me to discovering the MAPS organization, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And they are raising money. They're a nonprofit uh, to f- continue the funding of psychedelics. Is this the organization that Tim Ferriss uh, volunteered or he pledged a million dollars to do uh, this year? I think so. I think Tim Ferriss did in uh, – Jason Silva is a big advocate for him too. He, oh, you know, wow. he's, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but uh, he's he's a really big advocate. So if you want to learn more about like what they do, what they're doing with maps, you can you know follow Jason Silva. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Tim Ferriss, but he might be. I listened involved. to his podcast, and yeah. he, on the podcast, he said, I, I will commit to donate $1 million this year to this research, but it seems like this would be the place, the to, place do to do it. I yeah. think it is. I, I mean, cause they're the, they're the forefront of it. It was founded in 1986 and um, they've been really just kind of pushing forward uh, with this research for all these years. And um, they they're right now they're doing MDMA studies uh, and they're having huge success with it in patients with PTSD, um, uh, you know, like veterans and whatnot. And so like they're in phase three, of trials right now. And it's, well, it looks like it's going to be passed for therapeutic use very soon. Just looked that up this morning. Marie actually uh, brought up if I knew if they had made any movement in that area and we just happened to Google it. And you're exactly right. That happens to be very recent headlines where they're trying to reassign the scheduling of MDMA. So it can be moved to, uh, to research specifically for, uh, uh, PTSD and depression. That's Uh, the molecule in ecstasy in the street drug ecstasy. Correct. Yes. It's really interesting also that, he, that you're talking about uh, what MAPS is doing to fund research because I believe, and I could be mistaken, but I believe the HEF 
the Hefter Institute, where Dennis McKenna works and founded, they do a lot of research specifically around psilocybin. Usually they do a little bit of other stuff as well, but most notably with psilocybin. And we were talking about this earlier. Whenever you talked with Dennis, he illustrated that they've got a long-term running study where there's still over 91% success rate of curing people of their addiction to smoking. So, you know, this is the, the reason why I was so excited to bring you on is that you don't come in with this PhD and this agenda. You just found this journey and you just discovered this and now you're impassioned to share it and to to voice this. So for anybody, please subscribe, share and anybody that struggles with addiction, smoking, alcohol, drugs, opioids or if you battle anxiety or depression, there's hope. I really think that we're going to be able to use these in a controlled environment and make a ginormous difference. Yeah, without question. Absolutely. That's what it's all, you know, that's what it's all coming down to. And so, you know, you have the decriminalization of uh, psilocybin mushrooms, of magic mushrooms in um, in Denver. Denver, yeah. In Denver, and then in Oakland, also shortly after Denver, Oakland, California, decriminalized mushrooms too. So people are starting to become aware and and realize that, uh, you know, it's not as, you know, serious. We shouldn't focus, you know, like the policing of it. Um, but also as more and more research comes out, uh, you know, the, the positive health benefits that have come along with these, uh, with these medicines. So I, I like to call them medicines, you know? Yeah. Did you ever, so one of the things that I listened to a Ted talk and they were describing that it's one of the few times that you can be, most people describe a positive reaction as a self, the first time they became self aware, cause it's almost impossible for our egos to let us dissociate, look at us in a very self-aware kind of situation. Once you can do that, then you're able to, or this is what some people have theorized, that then you're able to control the thoughts easier because you've seen yourself in a different way and you're like, no, 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 I'm actually in control. A lot of times when you have anxiety and depression, you feel that you're at the mercy of this, of these mental health issues and... Did you have it? Did you ever do it um, high dose and find the self awareness aspect of it? Absolutely, yeah. I've uh, I've had several experiences, and um, so so Terrence Terrence McKenna talked about if you're going to do it, you know, you're going to take the risk of doing it. Um, you know, this isn't something you do with you know with the guys and the gals like hanging out and going to parties and going to the beach or whatever. This isn't like a recreational fun type of thing. This is a therapeutic, meditative, uh, me, you know, medicine. So do it by yourself in the dark. Um, you know, close your eyes and no, no, uh, exterior, st- uh, stimulation going on. Uh, and so that's the way that I chose to do it. Um, like following, you know, so obviously you guys know Terrence McKenna is Dennis McKenna's brother, brother right? right? Yeah. So, um, so I, he, I, a lot, I saw a lot of his content and so I wanted to do it like, okay, this is what Terrence is going to say. I'm going to give it the test and experiment it. So I've had several of those experiences where by myself, you learn so much about yourself. And that's what comes to the forefront is your subconscious. And you talk about, um, you know, our egos, you know, like that's what we're constantly, we're, we're living off of and living through most of the time. Right. But then when we have these experiences, you know, our subconscious, what, what's going on under the surface comes to the surface. And so you, you really get to sit with it and see what's going on internally. And like you said, remove yourself from this from it's a new perspective right and so um you do a lot of uh self-discovery self-journeying and um you come away from it uh, totally like a, a it's almost like a cognitive cleansing as well cognitive cleansing yeah. that's a great 
term. Yeah, and that and that's what happens. You know, that, that's what they're they're saying happens because you know the brain lights up. Uh, you're using all the you know, different parts of the brain. Um, you're you're dealing you're you're dealing with stuff that you've maybe been suppressing. You know, that come out and it could come out in a challenging experience. You know, what people call bad trips, whatever. You know, uh, that could come out if you don't allow it. But if you sit and you allow yourself to deal with what's coming up and go through that experience and go through that trip. Uh, you and you just kind of surrender to that moment, and you, it passes, and you learn something about yourself. People they that are very skilled in meditation, and if they really get to the point where they can do this, they will experience something very similar. Absolutely. If you go through a very this just, and then I remember reading that they've done like functional MRIs on people where they can look and. People that are very skilled at meditation, their brain lights up in a very similar way with somebody. So it's almost like fast forwarding yourself to an area where you can achieve that without 10 years of therapeutic meditative exercises. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen those graphs and those charts, you know, of the brain and it's, you're exactly right. It's, it's uh, instead of, you know, meditating in a cave. For 80 years yeah. as a monk, you know. I always have this image of like some sort of cartoon where some guy comes out and he's just like, I have done it, Nirvana. And there's another guy who's like 20 years old and he's like, Should have tried this. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody you know is gone, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I am no longer angry at my father. Yeah. Well, he's not angry at you either. Long gone. Yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's a, uh, a friend of ours, Hollis, who has, uh, I think, either two or three times signed up for, it's a silent retreat. Mm-hmm. And it's a minimum of 12 days. And there's a protocol where you do not do any talking. You, you try to avoid complete eye, t- eye contact for a solid 12 days. And I believe that he said he's got experience with various psychedelics as well and in a very reflective fashion trying to find you know hollis and he's very very deep thinker super deep thinker super smart just like one of these really uber successful people but self-aware and he says that the silent that this repeat the the schedule is meditation it's meditation 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 food mild exercises but meditation and that it's outside of that level of reflection back upon himself and what he wants out of life and He's a very calm and calming presence, is Hollis. And uh, he says, other than that, it's it's basically mushrooms. The, yeah. the closest thing that I can come to something like this is I went to a very tiny, small religious college. It was a Lutheran-based college. My mom taught there, so I went for free. And um, super tiny, the, a business professor, and I'll mind you, the whole religion thing is, is the reason why it was interesting, um, was hosting a guided Jungian theory of meditation where he would guide you through it. He was a big proponent of it. And so I was like one of the only science students that showed up and there was probably like 60 people on the first night and it ended up being like three hours long. And the next night it was like 20 people. And the next <laughs> night it was like four. It ended up being like four of us yeah. that did it for like weeks and weeks. And it was, you. it's a stepwise process. I mean, it took, now I understand why true meditation because you have to be ready to accept these skills. And what happened is that a couple people would like wake up bawling and run out of the room. And then I would talk to them later and they're like, oh my God, I, I had to like deal with my abuse. I, mm-hmm. An uncle sexually abused me or whatever and it just came and just right in the face. Yep. And that's, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. We have stuff that we're trying to suppress and run away from and when you turn and look at it, then you can gain control of it. Absolutely. Easier said than done. 
it takes work. It is practice. That's why they call it practice. You know, meditation, it's a practice. And, um, I started off doing like six minutes, you know, uh, just sitting underneath the tree, just to get outside and sit in a tree. And I started with six minutes and then worked my way up to longer, but it's a practice and it's difficult. But so, so Cooper, for somebody like me, that just kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I've got a lot of issues. So I was just kind of thinking <laughs> of like jumping all in, you know, just throwing some ayahuasca, maybe some ibogaine. How about a little LSD, some MDMA, and then just finish that off with a, with a, with a, you said skull cap? Do the, with, a, do with, the, the, with a cap, yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's just yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, that's just on a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, this is, no, but they, um, do, do they, I remember listening to some podcast. Yeah. It may have been Chris Kresser, uh-huh. where he had a doctor on discussing this, where he went to a retreat in New Mexico where they did a guided psilocybin experience oh, yeah. so that you have people that if you start to go into a bad place, that they walk you out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there are several, there's a network of, of underground guides out there to help people with these journeys because they, they are so passionate about the health involved and, and just the results that they see um, that they, they take that risk, but they're underground and, and there is a network of these uh, guides out there, but that's, you absolutely, um, unless you are, you know, well-versed in meditation or psychedelics, um, you want to find a guide. Honestly, that's the safest way to do it. Um, find, I don't, I don't know how to do it exactly. I've never found a guide. I've always just kind of done my thing. Um, but like I said earlier, this isn't like a party drug. These aren't, these aren't something that's recreational and you should go out and, and party on. This is something that you, it's like, it's therapy, you know, it's inner work. It's, it's dealing with the, you know, some of the dark stuff, right? It's, it's dealing with that and facing it so that you can move on and have a better quality of life. These guides help through that process. Um, you're going through it and they're kind of talking, you guiding you through it. You're having your own experience, but if things come up, um, you're able to kind of go into it with this guide and the guide is there to listen, to hold, um, hold space and to navigate, help you navigate your own journey through that. Um, so it's fascinating. It's I like that on. you brought up the fact that you said that you've, you've kind of educated yourself on how you have maintained your journey. And, and it's obvious that you've taken the serious tone of you want it for the benefits of the self-reflection and the therapy and something that's really popular here recently. And we've even had patients who talk about when they come in for the colonoscopes or the EGDs is, have you ever heard of microdosing? And that was something that we brought up with uh, Dennis McKenna. And he said mm-hmm. that he's not necessarily sold on the advent of just microdosing, that if you don't cross the threshold mm-hmm. of having the deep experience, that actually the microdosing is is simply just not beneficial over time. Is, is that something that you've run across as well? Yeah. Um, so I think that there are there are several benefits, um, you know, to microdosing. There are you get the medicinal qualities of Can the you psilocybin. What microdosing is real so quick? microdosing is taking a, uh, a you know a smaller a smaller dosage, you know, probably around like a, anywhere from a tenth uh, a tenth of a gram or or, or a half of, of a gram, like really small doses of these mushrooms mm-hmm. uh, or, or LSD, um, and just doing tiny doses. So um, and they rather than taking a full blown like large dose where you have these spiritual or, you know, psychedelic experiences. Um, so microdosing is just a way to get the benefits, you know, of the medicine without having to go and like not be able to talk to anybody for six or seven hours. Sure. Be shut up in a way. But, but microdosing, it, I think that there are benefits um, to taking those smaller doses uh, just because there are like, um, there are neuro 
regenerative um, aspects and qualities of um, psilocybin and mushrooms. And um, so I think that you can get benefits from them, but I think as far as um, the therapeutic, you know, the true therapeutic, I think I, I agree with Dennis McKenna on that. You have to pass that threshold. You have to go on that journey. You have to go there. Yeah. Uh, he was all about that. He just basically said, bah, microdosers. <laughs> yeah. You know, and another topic yeah. he brought up too, though, was that uh, nature, nature once again wins. And that is that there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with occasional LSD to get to this point. However, psilocybin and psilocin are not shown to have the uh, possible heart effects that that long-term use and exposure to LSD can produce. So then there's not going to be anybody much more experienced than he and his brother. And I believe his, his brother passed several years ago, but oh, really? um, Terrence passed. Yeah. I, oh. I don't know. Probably a decade 2000, ago. 2001, I oh, think. Okay. Yeah. Oh, longer. Yeah, long, yeah. yeah. I think in 2001, he passed away. And uh, so that, that exposure though, long-term with psilocybin, they still not shown that there's any long-term detriment to its exposure. So, there, there's there's ways to weigh things out, and Mother Nature always seems to know the way. We say this no. all the time, Cooper. The Mother Nature seems to always do things better. Drug companies try and isolate one little aspect of it and say, oh, we're going to be able to get a patent on this. this is good. We're going to get FDA approval, and now this is going to be this. And they're going to try and do it with psilocybin, guarantee it. They're going to try and do something like that. Right now, look at the treatments that are going on for depression. Do you realize that depression alone is such a burden on that organism that we started the show with, which is the healthcare burden. Depression leads to so many things. If we could fix that one thing in my in my lifetime, if we could do something to help that through CBD, BPC-157, psilocybin, whatever, game changer. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, Cooper, where can people find you now? Hey, you can find me on social media, on you know, Facebook, Cooper Reed, R-E-A-D. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. Cooper underscore underscore read R E A D. Um, I'm in Decatur working as a, uh, uh, you know, a marketing director and content creator for a real estate agent out there. So I get to go fly drones around and create content and videos <laughs> around that. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. When are you going to become a guide? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's underground. Can't yeah, yeah, can talk about it. it. <laughs> what, how much time do you have today? You know, right. <laughs> That's going to do it for episode 14 of the gut check project. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, like, and share, like, and share, go to gutcheckproject.com to let us know that you've done that. Ken, oh, see you episode 15. Great show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me guys. This is the only 24-hour, take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy.
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.